Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for all that are hungry and thirsty for ultimate reality, meaning and destiny. Actually, the meaning for why all things exist and consist. This message is for those that have discovered that the source of reality and the meaning of all things is an ultimate manifestation of perfection and love who is the one true eternal God and who only could be the one true eternal God. So for those that are new, I refer you to my website at ultimatemeaning.com. There, there's a flip book with very original writing by the gifting of God's Spirit through me that has links to many YouTube videos that are highlighted in red print. Very profound and amazing videos from many fields of science and archaeology, etc. So check that out. But this message is for those that have come to the saving knowledge of God through Jesus Christ. And for those that are new, let me explain this. Yes, God is great enough to communicate with his creation, even on this little small speck of a planet that's like a grain of sand amidst all the grains of sand upon the earth. God can only be God if he rules in personage in the three ultimate aspects of existence, which are beyond creation or time and space as God, the originator, or more appropriately called God the Father, and also fully expressed into the time and space creation realm, and so he must also be able to rule in that realm. And he does as God the Son. And the word Son basically means expression. And Jesus Christ is the full expression of the being of the Father. The only one true and full expression of the perfection of the being of God's love of the Father. To communicate and experience the creation realm. And then there's God, the Holy Spirit, which is God ruling in person, each and omnipresence filling all dimensions of existence and of time. And there are many dimensions of existence and of time in the creation realm. We're in the very inferior third dimension, which is very inferior compared to the fourth, fifth, all the way up to the tenth dimension. You can find that out in the book I just referred you to. So we believe in only one God, but he rules in three personages because you have to be in three personages. You have to be in personage to rule in those three ultimate aspects of existence. And so this God, who is the ultimate perfection and manifestation of love, communicated with his creation from the very time of Adam in Jesus Christ. We have an example in Genesis 18 where there's three angels standing before Abraham as he's 
probably bowed with his face in the heat of the day at his tent door. The Booksup sees these three men. He knows they're not just ordinary men. He makes a wonderful meal for them. They all eat food with him. And he addresses one of them as Yahweh, which is the most sacred name for God. In the Old Testament, in the English, it's the word Lord. Often the words are together, Lord God, Lord meaning Yahweh, and God meaning Elohim, the Almighty's, is what it is literally saying, which is referring to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in personage, in three personages of the one true eternal God. God's love is so great that he came in Jesus Christ and humbled himself more than you, a mere creature, and suffered more than you, a mere creature, on the cross. So that you could repent and be reconciled to God. His life's blood was outpoured and his body suffered terribly and was broken for you. How can one reject the ultimate manifestation and perfection of love? There is no love that can be imagined that is greater than this love that is in God or that could exist that is greater. In fact, it is the ultimate trustworthiness that could, that could only be worthy of containing unlimited life and power and authority without being corrupted by it or using it in a corrupt way. And thus, this is indicative that he is the very source of unlimited authority and power and life. The one true eternal God. And this message is for all. That they would come to the place of acknowledging who he is. And so I want to share with the churches gathered, in, whether in one or two or in larger assemblies throughout the world, throughout the United States and Canada, what God by his spirit is saying to the churches in this hour. And so part of what I do is I seek to speak as the oracles of God because the word of God commands us in 1 Peter 4.11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. So I will seek to do that. And how do I seek to do that? Well, this is explained in Revelation 19.10. It says, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What testifies to the reality of God in Jesus Christ is when we worship God out of a true heart in spirit and in truth, and great reverence and love and humility for God so that we are filled with the Spirit in an overflow beyond ourselves that results in creative utterances that are coming from the Spirit of God. So I will seek to speak out of a heart set and mindset of worship what God is saying to his people in this hour. And what I do to facilitate that is I cast lots to get any possibility of a chapter in the Bible with two different random applications so that I get two different chapters. And those chapters bear witness with each other as to the theme. And then I speak after a half an hour of meditation on those two chapters, not knowing what I'm going to speak very much, except a little bit I've received from meditation. So I want to share with you those two chapters and what God is saying from them today. 
I also choose a hymn. And so before we do that, we will have this worship hymn, which comes from often a hymn book of over 1,080 hymns from throughout church history and also from the persecuted underground church in China that was under the work of Wachimini, who was martyred in 1972. These words have great depth and meaning in them. They're not like so many of the songs in modern churches today that are very shallow. So let us just uh, sing together and worship this song. Most of them I have never heard myself. It's the first time for me too. So we're going to go to this one today, which I also put up on YouTube because they didn't have words or background with it. So it's called The Essence of the Kingdom Is. So we'll begin to play it.
wonderful, wonderful song. And now to the chapters that I received today by the casting of Lot before the Lord. And believe me, this works when you're being led by God to do this with reverence and walking right with him. Now today, it wasn't easy for me to see a theme between these two chapters, but as you continue to meditate, you often, in fact, I always do discover the theme. And sometimes not in its fullness until I start speaking and God begins while I'm speaking to reveal things to me. Today I received um, Genesis 29 and 1 Samuel chapter 8. In both these chapters, there is the desire and the pursuit to be under leadership that is either contrary to God's pleasure because it is an identity more into, with man rather than God, or to leave leadership that is corrupt and deceptive in order to be independent and free under the leadership of God. Genesis 29 is about Jacob wanting to eventually leave Laban because of how deceptive he is and possessive he is of them. And so that involved me reading two chapters and I found it just uh, very insightful. Some of the things I was seeing there as I considered how God was working in that situation. And then there's 1 Samuel chapter 8 which is about the children of Israel no longer wanting to be under the leadership that God was choosing supernaturally, but wanting their own king. In this case, they were rebelling against godly leadership and going in a direction to set up an ungodly hierarchy under King Saul. And God allowed them to have their own way what does it say concerning the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness? It says, nevertheless, he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. Now, in Genesis 29, I feel we should turn there. And I just pray that God will speak by his spirit what he is saying. Jacob really wanted to be living his life in total freedom, in alignment with the blessing of God. He always had a desire to seek for what was ultimately valuable and pleasing to God. Although there was a lot of deception in his life in the way he dealt with others, many times in his pursuit and desire to be in that place of freedom with God. And it is the same with many of us. We're not satisfied. There's a holy dissatisfaction in us as we attend a church and we see it as limiting God so much. We're wanting more. We're wanting that total fullness and purpose to come into that church so that we really find ourselves fully at home with God in the assembly. But we're living in an hour and a time when there are many people that are just satisfied with going through the routine 
of being what they have always been doing in worship before God. But we're not living in a time when that can any longer be tolerated. We're living in a time of great crisis. I suppose there's many Christians that are still asleep and not even aware of that, of how serious the time is that we're living in. Really, they are asleep and quite blind. If they are not aware of how serious the time is, of course, the media lies to everyone. The media has been infiltrated over the last 30 years by the Chinese Communist Party and by the global elitists that also want a one-world communist government and are working in conjunction and alignment with the Chinese Communist Party. And so the media lies and tells a bunch of lies about COVID. You just have to go to my website. At, well, you can go to ultimatemeaning.com. The links are right there on the homepage to valid news sources that are exposing all the terrible things that are happening in the world right now, which are very threatening. There's the threat of food shortages, of famine coming of many things in the near future. The threat of nuclear war, of more COVID restrictions coming. They're, they're doing, right now they're seeking to reduce the population of the world. Seems hard to believe, I know. But if you go to my website there, you will find all the validation for this, that it's not just a conspiracy theory. It's too much to talk about here. I want to emphasize what God is saying by his spirit to his people today. So Jacob loved Rachel so that he was willing to work another seven years if he could have her, even though the original deal was that he would have Rachel, not Leah. But he gave him the next week, Rachel, and he worked another seven years. And God continued to prosper him and prosper him. And Laban acknowledged it. But then, of course, Jacob was deceptive and he knew, made a deal with Laban that I'll take all the discolored cattle that have more than one color on them, sheep, etc. But he knew how to cause the cattle to birth with those unusual discolored or different discolorations rather than having one color. God is calling us as his people to be those in this hour that can bring forth fruit unto him in our lives, but not in a deceptive way, in uprightness before him. God is saying to his people, are you willing to pay the price and risk it all to enter into the fullness of the destiny I have with you? Jacob was willing to risk it all. He knew the danger he faced if he left Laban. He knew that Esau could easily slaughter him and all of them. But he was willing to pay the price to be free with God, to enter into God's plan and destiny for his life. Oh, I suppose if he negotiated with Laban and said to him, Laban, I've decided I'm leaving. 
Laban would have said, oh, no, I'll give you more wages or I'll do this or that. And if he protested, maybe he wouldn't have let him go. Who knows? Jacob didn't want to take that chance. And he left, probably deceptively. Maybe it was not the best way to leave. God spared Jacob when Laban overtook him because God gave Laban a dream. And that is the way it is with the kingdom of God. There are times when God will often put us in circumstances where it looks like there's no way that we're going to get out of this situation like we're finished. But God makes a way where there is no way. When we learn to step out in faith and trust him, as that famous saying goes, give me liberty or give me death. Do we want to enter into the fullness of the abundance of life that God has for us in our destiny in heaven and in this world? Then we will choose to pay the price for true fulfillment of life, which is only found in God, for true liberty. Now, in the case of 1 Samuel chapter 8, we can go there and, I suppose, read a little bit. And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. And he goes on, and his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. You know, that's sad that they had that in their lives, that it didn't pass on to them. Probably because Samuel was someone that was very much in demand all the time because he heard from God so that he didn't have much time to spend with his children. Unlike Jacob, that was very involved with his sons and daughters in raising those cattle up and learning to uh, bring them forth into a tremendous amount of cattle and prosperity. But he was always working with his sons and daughters in that regards, working every day. And I'm sure they had their times where they prayed and they sought God. And then we read here that all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like other all the nations. Now you, you can see they have an excuse. Your sons are corrupt. We don't want to be under their leadership. And you're getting old. So let us have a king. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto Yahweh. And Yahweh said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people, and all they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me, and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. So there was a desire to have identity and a powerful leader rather than putting their individual identity in God out of a life of prayer. They wanted those things in their lives that would give them what their 
immediate gratifications wanted. These gods that if you worshipped and served them would bless you with different material things. And so they developed a false doctrine like the Laodiceans that justified living for the things of this world and emphasizing a godliness that is equated with material blessing, which is not what the Word of God emphasizes, and nor where God's focus is with his people, that he would bless them materially. His focus is primarily that they would come in to a relationship that is pure and deep in oneness with him, in communion with him. Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked him, a king. He said, this will be the manner of the king and so on. And he tells them, well, you're going to, it's not going to be easy having your king. He's going to take all kinds of your possessions, etc., etc. We are living in a time when God wants his people to have a hunger that is not going to allow them to be satisfied with just the typical relationship they have with their leadership. Yes, we are always to respect and reverence leadership. But in these last days, God is wanting a new order in the body of Christ. He is wanting his people to come under the fullness of the headship of Jesus Christ in their local assemblies. So that we are not putting our identity more in the leader of the assembly or some of the leadership of the assembly, but more in him. This is what is a denominative spirit, is when our identity is more in the group and in the leader than in our relationship with God. There's always this desire to have something that gives us more of a tangible security and identity. But God wants to teach us to have an identity in him who is not visible so that the love relationship we have with God cannot be tainted with idolatrous perceptions of God, such as Cain had. Cain became unthankful as he looked at all the suffering around him because of God's holiness that would not tolerate sin. And he began to develop an idolatrous, distorted, unthankful perception of God as some kind of dictator that demanded appeasement, which is why he brought the offering he brought, thinking that his own effort was what would appease God. He lost sight of the fact that God is good because his focus was on the consequences of God's judgment, and that was eclipsing him recognizing this love that is so pure that it will not tolerate sin, that it is very severe on 
all that is contrary to love, that is self-seeking. You see, King David says, worship God in the beauty of holiness, because holiness issues and beauty issues out of holiness. And holiness is the purity of God's love that is a blazing fire of judgment against all that is contrary to love. I'm talking about the highest form of love that always chooses the highest lasting good over any lesser choice because any lesser choice as such would have a measure of corruption in it. This love is totally pure. And when we see how good the holiness of God is and we focus on recognizing that it is good that we even endure suffering ourselves and so on and trust God through it because his severity on sin ensures our destiny without corruption in a place that is without corruption known as heaven. God is calling the church to wake up today and repent of being denominative. Of humbling themselves under the mighty hand of God by returning to the genuine fear of God. He is calling his people to reciprocate, first of all, his holiness and humble themselves under the mighty hand of God. When you start a church service, the typical way it starts with all kinds of grands, nice, joyful singing and someone up at the front playing music. The new order that God is bringing is different. He wants us to make his house a house of prayer and holiness where we first get on our faces before God in humility and reverence and become more conscious of Christ in our midst than anyone else. He wants the church service to always start as a prayer meeting. Don't start your pre-service prayer meetings. Make your church a prayer meeting. Begin to seek him and to cry it unto him and don't have these short meetings. You need to go at least four hours. Better to have a meeting that starts at one or two o'clock in the afternoon and goes for four hours so you can really break through into the presence of God and to worship in prophetic utterance. I could go on. How many of us are willing to practice washing one another's feet? Where a person that we find difficult to love or that's offended us, we go up to them and humble ourselves before them and admit our faults and ask them to pray that God would heal us from our faults. And we pre emphasize how we appreciate them. And yes, that they offended us and, and uh, we choose to forgive them. And that's how you win people. It's humbling yourselves, first of all, under the mighty hand of God and before one another that we would come into a deep and an intimate love relationship with God and each other. God is wanting to bring his people into a deep union of oneness with the Father by returning to the genuine fear of God. So turn to me with all your heart and rend your heart and not your garment until you know the tenderness of my presence and the ground is soft in your heart to allow me to pour water on you 
May you repent of those things that have quenched your thirst and turn to me, the true and living God. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground in these last days. The time has come for the church to wake up. I have a book written which is called God Headship and Body Invasion, which you can get on Amazon that shows everything you can do in your local assembly so that you do not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your assembly. When the glory of God comes in its fullness into your midst because you turned him with all your heart and you become his loving bride, his fearless conquering bride church, the glory of God will break the darkness over your city and community. And many people will come in to the kingdom of God like happened in the Welsh revival, like happened in Azusa Street, except this time God wants the container for it to go on and on and not dissipate into division ever again. For we are in the last days. And he's calling his people to come together in community, repenting of the denominative mindset from the hardness of your hearts, by turning and separating yourself from the loves of the world, the gods of pleasure, of amusement, so many watching hours of sports instead of seeking God, or spending hours on other things instead of putting first the kingdom of God. It is time to wake up and to conquer your nation with the glory of God, with the good news of the gospel. Thank you for listening to this message. God bless you all.